Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Well, if you're new to Harvest, my name is Jared. Um, been on staff almost four years now. It's hard to believe time flies when you're having fun. Um, this morning, uh, I'm going to begin a two-week series on reaching out to those who are far from God. And I'm, I'm really excited for what God's going to do. And um, even Andrea's prayer uh, for God to awaken us um, to the reality that there's many people who are far from him. I don't know if you guys remember a movie called Click. It came out about 10 years ago starring Adam Sandler. Uh, he played this character called Michael Newman. And Michael's a hardworking family man who's desperately trying to get a promotion at work. With all the demands at work, he's having less time with his wife and his kids, and he's wishing there's a way he could control and manage his life. And his wish comes true when he meets this crazy salesman with the ultimate remote. And this remote allows him to pause, to rewind, and to fast forward through his life. What would it look like to have a remote control like that? To be able to rewind our lives and go back to those significant moments. I was even thinking of um, an exercise of creating like the top 10 moments of your life. Like what moments would you go back to? Uh, a top 10 list. Or what if we could fast forward through our lives and see how our future would play out? I think that would be very significant for us. I think it would reveal what is most important and valuable. I know some of us are younger and we don't think about a question like this, but at the end of our lives, when we look back, um, how will we evaluate how we lived? Uh, did we give ourselves to the things that are most important? Do we major in the major things and minor in the minor things? I think you would agree with me that we can get so caught up in the busyness of our lives, the repetition and the drift that we can easily lose sight of the things that are most important. And I believe this morning God wants to remind us of something that, that is major to him and very dear to his heart. And it relates to how do we look at and view people who do not know him, people who are lost and far from God. We're going to look at a passage in Mark 2 and the calling of Levi. And I want to walk us through the text and share some observations. At the end, I want to just offer up two challenges for us to really apply this and to have God's heart uh, for lost people. Uh, but would you just pray for me before we go any further? God, I feel the tremendous weight of this message. And it's not a burden, God, but a, a joy. And I pray this morning, God, that you would uh, awaken us anew to your heart for all people, not only for us, God, but those who are down and out, those who are without hope, those who are about to give up, those who are 
really, really far away from you. And you would put a burden, a new burden in our hearts uh, to reach out, uh, to love, and to get messy by just being friends with sinners. And so, God, I pray that you would take this message, God, and uh, you would really anoint it. You bring your power and your authority as we look at your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So picking up in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13, it says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. It wasn't unusual for Jesus to attract a large crowd throughout his life on this earth. People were drawn to him as a person and as a teacher. In this story, he is teaching a large group of people. He's walking along, and he zeroes in on this one man outside the crowd, a man named Levi. This is a totally random tangent, but I was having lunch last week with a good friend of mine. They were about to have their second child, a son, and they were trying to come up with a name for their boy. And I love the name Levi. So I just want to offer that up for people's consideration. I didn't get to use it on any of my children. Um, but I don't think it's a name that's used often, and I really love the name. But anyway, so Levi is working his post at a tax collector booth. And for those of you who are younger, back in the day when you were driving on the tollway, we didn't have iPass. You actually had to stop at a toll booth. And there were real live human beings there working the toll booth, and you have to give them some coins. And so we have a similar scene here in this text. Levi is likely working at a tax booth on a major international road. And Levi was a Jew, but he was employed by the Roman government to to collect taxes for the Roman Empire. And I can't overstate this enough. Tax collectors in those days were despised people. I mean, nobody likes paying taxes, but at least for us, we know what to expect. When you go to the store, you pay roughly 10% in sales tax. When your income taxes come up, you know what tax bracket you're in. Back then, that was not the case. Uh, Tax collectors were known and infamous for abusing their power and authority and extorting more money through bribes. And so to the Jews, Levi would have been considered a traitor working for the Romans, and making his profits uh, by taking advantage of his own people. It's kind of like someone who's born and raised in Chicagoland and chooses to root for the Green Bay Packers (laughs) instead of the Chicago Bears. Man, I wonder what that would be like. So Levi would not have been a popular guy in town. And this not only impacted him socially, but it had serious spiritual ramifications. Jewish tax collectors were condemned publicly as sinners, and they were not allowed into the synagogue to worship. So there's no religious freedom for them. They're not allowed to worship their God with their own people in the synagogue. What Levi to choose the profession of a tax collector 
collector, we have no idea. Maybe he was desperate and had no other option. But the important thing to understand is this man was an outcast among his own people. He was scum. And he was spiritually worthless. And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus is walking along teaching. And he notices Levi. And he stops in front of his booth. And eye contact is made between the two of them. And Levi's probably thinking, here we go again. He's become so used to people's verbal assaults. People's condemnation. What will this guy, Jesus, say to me? The account in Mark, it it only tells us the two words that Jesus says to Levi. In verse 14, it says, follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Please don't mistake the brevity and simplicity of this exchange, thinking this is a small matter. This is huge. Jesus Christ is inviting, is inviting this spiritual reject, a publicly known and condemned sinner, a social outcast who time after time has trampled upon his own people for his own gain and profit. And Jesus invites him to be one of his own, to be part of his family, and his group of followers who are living out the kingdom of God. Jesus looks beyond the exterior of Levi and he sees a man on the inside who needs help. Who needs rescue. Who needs love. And this was probably the first time in a long time that Levi was treated as a human being. And for Levi, his response isn't without consequences. Once Levi decides to follow Jesus, he will not be able to go back. He has broken his contract with the Romans, and his tax collecting days are done forever. In comparison, other disciples like Peter and Andrew, who are fishermen, they could go back to fishing. And that's exactly what they did when Jesus was crucified. For Levi, there is no turning back for him. Verse 15 picks up the next phase of the story. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. This is really an incredible scene. One of the first things that Jesus does with Levi is he shares a meal. In Jewish culture, to share a meal, to eat together, is a sign of intimacy and friendship. And so they're hanging out at Levi's house, getting to know one another. And who else is there? It says other tax collectors and sinners. And it says there were many of them that followed Jesus. This is showing us that this encounter between Jesus and Levi isn't a one-time occasion. This isn't the first time, and it won't be the last, that Jesus will open the gates to his kingdom and his family to those who are far on the outside. 
And this is at the very heart of who our God is. A God who chases after the confused. A God who hunts down the hopeless. A God who searches for the sinner. In verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners, the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? People are watching Jesus. The religious leaders of the day are certainly watching Jesus. Of course, we don't know the tone in which they asked this question, but given uh, the summary of the Gospels and how the Pharisees treated Jesus, uh, it's a pretty good guess that this question was riddled with accusation. How could a great teacher who knows the purity laws of the Old Testament be friends with people like this? These riffraff, these nobodies. In the Pharisees' minds, these people had no business being near anything to do with the things of God. Verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus' response speaks about the nature of his mission. He's on a rescue mission, coming for the hurting coming for the sin sick, coming for the desperate. In some ways, Jesus is saying, of course I'm hanging around with tax collectors and sinners. Who else would I be around? These are the very people that need to know about the grace and love and acceptance of God and that a new life can be found in me. Some of you are here this morning, and in many ways you can relate to Levi. Your life has not turned out how you planned. You are filled with regret or brokenness or darkness. Maybe you feel like a spiritual reject. You feel like you don't measure up. And that time and time again, you have failed your God. And you might even be thinking that God must be so tired of me. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear how great the rescuing love of Jesus Christ truly is. He is not tired of you. He is not done with you. Nothing could be further from the truth. He longs to bring you back to himself where you can find unbelievable love and never-ending hope. But only Jesus Christ can take a shattered life and put it back together again. Only Jesus Christ can make the sick, healthy. So if you're in that, this place this morning, I just want to encourage you, do not give up. 
Hold on to Christ's love for you. It is real. It is true. Let him be the one to rescue you and put your life back together. Others of us have been around God a long, long time. We've grown up in the church, grown up in religious families. We've been to so many church activities and programs and Bible studies. And we can easily forget how sick and how unhealthy we were before we encountered Jesus Christ. And I'm concerned for us that we don't fall into the same trap that the Pharisees did and think that it's by our own merits or our religious efforts that we are made healthy. Let us not forget it's by the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ that we have been made right and we have been made whole. And every day, every single day, we still need the outpouring of his grace in our lives. Jesus came to call sinners to find health and wholeness in himself. He didn't stand aloof or judgmental towards the lost. He went after them in love. As his followers, as his church, Jesus is asking us to do the very same thing. To move outside what is comfortable and safe and to get a little messy as we reach out to those who are lost and far from God. I want to give us two challenges this morning for us to live out God's heart for lost people. And the first one is to reach out to the lost. We need to move outside the crowd mentality towards individuals. Got to move outside the crowd towards individuals. One of the things that I grieve about our culture is the crowd mentality that we're so accustomed to. We're so used to being in crowds that it's okay for people to ignore one another, to not converse, to not connect. For example, the last time I was on an airplane, we're getting settled in our seats, and the lady sitting next to me on my right, she was on the phone, and she was talking to her husband or a significant other, and she was complaining about having to check in a bag and just kept whining over and over about it. So she was not in a good mood whatsoever. And I sat there, I'm like, I don't want to talk to this woman today. (laughs) And that's exactly what we did. For four hours, I sat next to another human being with no word exchanged. And obviously, I don't share that because I'm proud of it at all. But the fact that that happened for four hours, we didn't say a word to one another, is completely normal. It's completely okay in our culture. 
And I just, it doesn't sit well with me. I don't think it sits well with God. I believe God is calling us to a greater engagement with individuals. We have to move out of the crowd mentality. And this is exactly what Jesus does here. He's teaching a large crowd. And he stops. And he notices Levi and creates this life-altering moment for his new friend. I think one of the questions for us is when we step out of the crowds, when we see individuals, what will we see? We see all their junk. We see all the ways that they don't measure up. Will we see all their faults? Or will we see them as a person made in the image of God? A person that Jesus Christ loves, that Jesus Christ died for. A quote by Pastor Eugene Peterson has really marked me. I just read it recently, and it speaks about just our encounters with individuals. And he says this, What I see before me is not what I see before me, but what Christ has said and done. Far more relevant than what I feel or think, or what this other person feels or thinks, is what Christ has said and done. This is a person for whom Christ died, a person he loves, an awesome fact. This is a person preserved alive until this very moment in the world of hurdling automobiles ravaging diseases, and psychotic menaces. Am I prepared to admire? Am I prepared to respect? Am I prepared to be in reverence? Every meeting with another person is a privilege. I believe this is at the very heart of how God wants us to see those who are lost and far from him. To see every encounter with a human being as a gift. And to have a sense of wonder and anticipation. What will God do in this moment, in this interaction? I really believe with all my heart, if you take the time to think and to pray about this and realize that Jesus is calling you to those who are sick, And those who are on the outside, he's going to put certain people on your heart to pray for, to love, and to reach out to. Yvonne and I were talking the other night. I feel like he's made it crystal clear who are the people he's brought in our lives that we are called to reach out to and to love in the name of Jesus. Will you follow Jesus out of the crowd? And toward the individual. Will you take time to ask God who are the individual lives, the individual people you put in my life who are on the outside and who need to hear about a new and great life available in Jesus Christ? Out of the crowd, toward the individual. The second challenge for us is out of the Christian huddle 
and toward the lost. Out of the Christian huddle and toward the lost. I mean, Jesus broke through the established religious customs of the day to reach out to Levi. I mean, the Pharisees, I mean, they looked down on sinners in judgment. Jesus looked for sinners in love. I just want to repeat that. I think this is very important. The Pharisees looked down on sinners in judgment. Jesus looked for them in love. See, I believe we can fall in the same trap as the Pharisees did back then. The ways of religion can can easily foster a heart and attitude of judgment towards those who are lost. The way of Jesus, though, is a heart that's open wide to those on the outside. Are we growing to become more like Jesus Christ or more like the Pharisees? Are we moving away from people on the outside or are we moving towards them with the compassion and hope that the gospel offers? When I was a senior at U of I, I I lived in the dorms all four years. My senior year, my brother was an incoming freshman and he actually ended up in the same dorm as me. Um, Not just the same dorm, actually the same floor and literally almost right across the hall, like one room over uh, from me. And I love my brother, and I believe he loves me, but that was a lot closer than either of us wanted. My brother was a part of our church, but in the second semester of his freshman year, he told me he was going to be rushing uh, and joining a fraternity. And I was scratching my head a little bit, uh, a little concerned about him, how would this affect him, Is he strong enough to deal with life in the frat house? And there were a few other guys in our church that were in this fraternity. So uh, he was telling me they want to really reach out in their frat house and reach the guys for Christ. And everybody says that, you know. But I was really just questioning and uh, just wondering, what's going to happen to my brother? Uh, But over the years, God proved... uh, them right and to be faithful. He did amazing things in the SIGAPs at U of I. And so these band of followers of Jesus, they would meet for Bible study every week just to encourage each other. And then they would do spiritual discussions that were open to anybody in the frat house. And they get a dozen guys coming out, these fraternity guys, just interested in spiritual things. And over time, um, guys gave their lives to Christ. And they got to disciple them. It was just a beautiful thing to hear the stories of what God was doing. But my brother and these other guys, they had to move outside the huddle to be near people who were far from God. And, and Jesus himself, in Luke seven thirty four, this is an incredible accusation against him. He's labeled as a friend of sinners. The verse says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. If we really want to follow Jesus and to be like him, we will need to learn to be friends of sinners. And I think this is is challenging for us, me and the other two pastors here. 
especially, because we live our lives in the church world. And it's a challenge for us to be in those places uh, where people are lost and far from God. But I want to remind my fellow pastors and myself is that we don't need to go far away to do this. We don't need to go to China or India or Tuba City. They are all around us. We need to ask God to grow our hearts for them and give us the courage to move towards them and not away. In the rhythm of our lives, in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our schools, PTA meetings, old friends from college, kids' sports teams, there are lost people there. And they are desperate to hear about the love of God. They might not show it, and they might not know it, but they are desperate to hear about the love of God and what the gospel truly means. That it's hope and rescue for the sinner. And a new life in Jesus that's far greater than anything the world can offer. Will we step out of the safety of our Christian huddles to move towards those who are desperate to encounter Jesus Christ? My hope and prayer for us is that we, as we follow and live for Jesus, we would be accused as being friends of sinners. That people would be surprised by some of the people that we are reaching out to and loving. That we would break through the many barriers that separate us from those who are far from God. And that we'd be so patient so gracious to those who are steeped in the ways of this world. And we would do this because the love of God that has rescued us is so powerfully at work in us that we can't help ourselves. That we are so amazed by his grace that we can't stop ourselves from telling others about it. I mean, there will be challenges for us. It's not going to be clean. It's not going to be easy. When we move towards the lost, there are going to be things in their lives that we don't agree with, that we're going to have a hard time handling. And we're just going to have to ask God for grace and his power to speak into those things. Uh, recently, uh, our son Josh was part of Awana, and he was given an assignment to share John 3.16 with someone who doesn't know God. I thought it was a very bold assignment. I thought it was awesome. And a a good challenge for Joshua. And so we were talking about it, and he went to school a few days and asked kids, like, do you know God? And they all said yes. (laughs) He came home and like, Dad, everybody knows God at school. And we started talking, started talking about kids at school, that might not have as many friends or who might be lonely. And it became very clear there was this one boy who sits next to him that God was calling Joshua to reach out to. And so we were talking about this one boy. Uh, But Joshua quickly pointed out, but dad, he picks his nose. (laughs) I guess that's a major hurdle for my son. 
in reaching lost people. So we talked through that and processed that together. But it was just a good reminder for me. Uh, Jesus loves the nose pickers. Jesus loves the raging alcoholic. Jesus loves the punk kid down the street. Jesus loves the egotistical boss. Jesus loves the unfaithful spouse. Jesus loves the annoying family member. Jesus loves the inconsiderate neighbor. Jesus loves the bully at school. The question is, will we, will we love them? Will we love those who are desperate to hear about the message of grace and who Jesus Christ truly is? He's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of those on the outside. But church, we got to move out of the crowd and see the individuals in our lives. We got to move out of the huddle. Yes, we need fellowship and strengthening from other believers. We have to get out there in the world and show people the beauty of the gospel. And my prayer for us is that if we could fast forward our lives to the end right now, that we'd be able to look back and realize that we majored on this major thing. That we not only understood God's heart for the lost and those who are far from him, but that we gave our lives to reach them. That we didn't stand aloof or judgmental, but that we were reminded day in and day out of the grace that we have received from Jesus Christ. And that we would be lavish in sharing that grace with others. That we would become friends of sinners. And we get to say, you know, I watched God turn people's lives upside down with the same radical grace that changed my life forever. I just want to go to prayer now because only God can give us his heart for the lost. Only he can break into maybe the callous places that we've built up. And I'll, I'll confess, like, it's so easy for me to be a Pharisee. It's been one of the struggles of my life. Is forgetting how great the grace of God truly is. And so I want to just invite you to take a a few moments and just pray that God would give you a renewed heart to be able to see people how he sees them. I mean, in all honesty, Levi, on paper, had no business being a part of Jesus' followers to the Pharisees. But Jesus obviously saw past all of that 
And he gave hope and a new life to Levi. And he demonstrated his grace to that whole crowd. That this tax collector, yeah, he's lived a messed up life. But his life is new today. I have a whole new plan for him. So just take a moment and pray and ask God to give you a heart for sinners. And that you would live out that heart and over time become friends with them and and show them the radical grace and love of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.